0: Father, I think as we were singing that, I was just reminded of the freedom that comes in my life every day in knowing you. And I love the fact that your grace and your mercy are new every day. And they never run out. And no matter what I do, no matter what goes on in my life, you just keep extending your grace to me and I need it. Thank you. I know that's true for the folks that are bowed here in your presence as well I know most of them have experienced your grace there may be some here who haven't yet that haven't experienced that incredible love and forgiveness and hope that comes through the grace of Jesus Christ God would they come to the place even this morning that they would know that experience it for themselves and bow their life before you and yield to you as their Savior and Master and Lord. Now, Lord, as we open the Word of God, it is my heart's desire that everyone would just see Jesus, not me. It wouldn't be my words that are spoken that matter, but your words. So draw our, attentions by, our attention by your Spirit to your Son, Jesus Christ, this morning. Whatever distractions would hold us from hearing from you, God, would you cause those to be removed for the next few moments. And we claim what the promise that you've given us, that your word is alive and it's powerful, and it cuts into our hearts and shows us and reveals to us the truth of who you are. And we want that this morning, and so we ask that you would do that. Thanks for your generosity to us and your son. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you may have a seat. We're continuing on this morning in our uh, study of the book of Philippians, and uh, what a great little book. If you've uh, had the opportunity to take some time to read through that, uh, then you know what I'm talking about. It's a wonderful book, and if you haven't, then in the next week and weeks, would you uh, take a few minutes and, and uh, just spend some time uh, reading through uh, the book of, of Philippians and do it repeatedly. There's something about reading the Word of God over and over again that helps us. It gets it to sink down into our hearts and our minds and and causes us uh, to be able to hear what God is saying to us and also reveals who God is to us. And uh, I was just talking with Art this morning as we were coming in. He and I were having a conversation out there and we were talking about a passage of Scripture and, and he was saying, you know, I've read this passage of Scripture so many times and this time this little phrase jumped out to me that hadn't before. And that's what happens to us. The more that we uh, read the Word of God, the more we allow the Word of God to sink into our heart, the more God reveals things to us that maybe on the, uh, in the past time that you were reading it, you just kind of you, you skated over it and you kind of missed what he, what he had to say in that part. And so do that, if you would, in the book of Philippians. Just read it and reread it and, and allow it to speak to you. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 this morning and we're going to talk about work out your salvation which seems like a really weird title uh, when, you, when you know uh, if you know anything about scripture and you know that our salvation comes from Jesus Christ himself that I would stand up and I would start by talking about working out your salvation. Well that's what these two verses are going to talk about. Um, the proof that anything I speak about is real in my life shows up in how I live out my life every day. You catch that? The proof of anything that I speak about in my life, we can stand up and we can say all kinds of wonderful things that we believe, right? All kinds of great things that we think are true, but the proof of whether or not those things are real in my life is actually in how I live my everyday life. I could say some wonderful things about myself, wonderful statements of things that I believe are right and true, and I could stand up here and I could tell you all these great things, but if you couldn't see me live those out, or you didn't see me live those out, you'd say, Tim, I don't think you really believe that. I could say that I want to be a Christ-like husband. I believe that that's what Scripture says. That's what Scripture teaches. And I believe in my heart that that's what God and the Spirit of God wants to be true of me. And I want that to be true. But you could go and ask my wife and you could say, is he actually living that out? And the proof of whether or not that is true in my life would be what my wife answers. You can do it. Go ahead. Uh, Because I want that to be true. I want to live a Christ-like life. I want to be a Christ-like husband. And the truth or the proof of that is how I live my life with my wife each and every day. That's the proof. I can say I want to be a loving and a kind father. I want to paint a picture of Jesus Christ and my heavenly father, to Talia and Justin. And you could go to them and you could ask them, Is that true of your father? Does he actually live out the truth that he's talking about, about God being a loving God who cares for you, and he's showing that to you day in? Ask Talia more than Justin. Justin likes to get me in trouble. So just, but you could go to my kids and say, if if Tim says that about himself, that that's what he wants to be true about himself, then the proof is what they tell you, because it's how I live out my life every day. I can say that I want to be a reliable friend. I want to be somebody that shows up when, when a friend of mine is in need. You could ask Mark that uh, Friday night. Mark and I have a thing that goes on. Mark plows. Mark Libby plows. And uh, we have for years now, been a long time, almost the, the length of time that I've known Mark, that if he gets stuck when he's plowing, he can call me and I'll, I'll come and I'll pull him out. He He has... If he'd buy a Toyota, he'd be set, but he just won't. And because of it, I have to keep pulling him out. with it. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. We, we won't get into that. But Friday night, he got stuck again, and he called. And the proof of a reliable friend is what? That you'll do what you say, that you'll show up when you say that you'll show up. How about a trustworthy worker? You want to be a trustworthy worker. The proof in whether or not you're a trustworthy worker is if every day you show up and your boss and the people that you work with can trust you in what you say you will do, you perform it to the best of your abilities and you do the jobs that you're supposed to do. A healthy eater. Maybe you're one of those. I eat healthy, but if anybody watched what you eat or looked in your garbage can, they would see all kinds of wrappers of things that may not be so healthy. A healthy eater. The proof is in what you actually eat every day, right? It's not in what I say about it. It's in what I actually do. A person who exercises, the proof is what? whether you actually get up off the couch and exercise. That's the proof. It's what you do every day. A person who's good with their finances, well the proof is look at your checkbook, look at your bank account. If you're actually using your money for what you said you were going to use it for or if you're blowing it in other places, the proof is in what you do with it. The proof of all of the qualities that I claim that I have in my life is found in what I do every day, not just a one time event it's something that is repeated over and over and over and over again in my life and that's what this next passage we're going to talk about is going to show us that's what this next passage is really all about that the proof of what I say about my relationship with Jesus Christ is born out in what I do each and every day of my life now remember an important fact before we jump into this passage, and it's found in, in, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at these for a minute, because you need to remember who this is written to. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ. Who is it written to? All the saints in Christ. Now everybody's fallen asleep already, so who is it written to? All the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is written to the believers in Philippi. This is not written to the non-believers. This is written, written to believers. So all of the folks that Paul is writing to, and these next two verses, chapter 12, I mean chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, are written to believers. These are people who are already in Christ. They already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 starts with this word. Ready? Here it is. Therefore is the word that, chapter 2, verse 12. Now, because all of us in this theater and those, theater 2 and 3 and those people watching at home, all of us are wonderful students of the word of God. The moment that you see the word therefore, what do you ask? Perfect. What is it there for? If you've listened to Mike and I, we say this all the time. Every time you see the word therefore in the word of God, you ask the question, what is it there for? Why is therefore there? Well, let's stop for a minute. I know we haven't got very far, and we're stopping already, but you've got to stop. Remember what we talked about last week? Do you remember it? Last week, okay, you didn't. Let me remind you, okay? Last week, we were talking about the attitude and the heart of Jesus Christ. And Paul started this passage in chapter 2 with, if there's any encouragement in Christ, right? If there's any unity in the Spirit, if there's any mercy, if there's any grace, if there's any love, In Christ. And remember, those were rhetorical statements that Paul said. He was saying this I know these things are true. These characteristics about Jesus Christ are true. I know this is who he really is. I know that you will be encouraged if you bump into Jesus Christ. If you start a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be encouraged. The more you walk with him, the longer you are with him, the more encouraged you will be. In being with Jesus Christ, the more mercy you will experience, the more love that you will feel and experience within your heart, and also the more love you will be able to pass on to those that are around you, the more unity that you will feel for the body of Christ because that is who Christ is. And then he went on and he said it this way he said, And not only is that true about who Christ is, but Christ shows you how to live out his example among the people that you're living life with by following the same attitude and the same heart that Jesus Christ had, which we understood and we saw when we finished that passage, that Jesus Christ was yielded and surrendered to the plan and the will of the Father. And though he was completely God and completely human when he walked on this earth, he fulfilled the plan of God by going to the cross and dying the most humiliating death that was possible for you and for me to pay the price for our sin. And so we ended last week by saying this, yes, the character and the attributes of God bring 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 unity and bring peace and mercy into our life because it's who he is. But his attitude and how he served is the same attitude and the same spirit that we ought to have. And that is an attitude of a yielded, surrendered heart to the person of Jesus Christ and to what it is that he's all about. And so Paul says, in light of that thought, a yielded and surrendered heart, therefore... Therefore, because of who we are in Jesus Christ, remember, he's writing to all the saints, because you are in Christ, because you have experienced this, because you know the attitude of Jesus Christ, therefore, therefore. So these people were already in Christ. Now let me stop for one more minute before I jump into this passage and help you to understand the significance of them being in Christ. The work of salvation is completely accomplished by God and not us. Did you catch that? The work of salvation, you and I being saved from the sin that separates us from God, has nothing to do with how good we are or who we are. It is completely a work that is done by God and not by us. The word salvation here that we're going to talk about has this meaning. It means deliverance. Let me help you to understand what that means, that word deliverance, because sometimes we get the idea that it's a helping hand, and that's not the picture here. When I was a teenager, into my, into my 20s, actually up into my 30s, I really enjoyed duck and goose hunting. It's one of the things that I, I just, I love doing it, uh, and I would go out when I was a teenager. Uh, there was a couple of us. We built uh, our own little flat-bottom boat. We had a couple ponds that were way out in the middle of the woods, and we would sneak out there before school. That was back. Remember, I talked about being a mountain man. This was all part of that that era in my life. And uh, we would sneak out before school with our shotguns, and we had some blinds built on these ponds, and and we would slip in there, and, and and we'd shoot a few ducks or a few geese, and then we'd get back home and get changed and get on the bus to go to school, and. Uh, when I was in in uh, bible school um, i I was still hunting we we would jump shoot ducks off the river It was just a lot of fun and uh, there was one day late fall, and i thought hey uh, I, i've got a couple hours before uh before supper time, and I think I should sneak into the pond and uh we we're, we're, were in the eastern flyway, and so there was lots of geese that sometimes you'd get in there uh, right before before supper, and there'd be like a 1,000 geese that would have landed on the pond, and it was awesome hunting. Uh, I'm going to get excited about this. So so anyway, I thought maybe I, I should sneak in there, and I'll shoot a couple ducks or geese, whatever happens to be in there before supper. And so I, I went in. I hiked back into the pond. It was It was about a half-hour hike back through the woods, and I hiked back into the pond. I slipped into the blind, and it was late, late fall, and there was a little bit of ice that was, had built up along the edge of the pond, and, uh, but it was one of those nice, you know, the sun was shining, it was one of those nice days I'd crawl into the blind, I'd get in there, and sure enough... There's a flock of black ducks that had just landed just out in front of the blind. It's perfect. And so I, I sneak in, and I stick the shotgun barrel out through I'm I'm getting ready. It's all. And then I realized, hey, there's a whole bunch of those that are swimming my way. There's a log right out there, and they're going to come across in front of that log, and, and, and they're going to line up perfectly. And I'm like, two or three. I can fill my limit one shot. I can do this. I know I can do this. It's three birds. And so I wait, and I wait, and sure enough, they come across, and there's finally there's two lined up, and I'm like, there's not going to be a third. And so, boom, two, done. Like, this is awesome, two birds, one shot. And then I realized as I was standing there all excited about what I had just done that we had pulled the boat out. It was no longer there. So I'm standing there, and I'm looking at these birds. It's not that far offshore. And so I decided I had a pair of waterproof duck pants on. They tie off at the bottom. And I thought, you know what? It's not that far. I can just swim. And so I stripped down, left those waterproof duck pants on, and uh, and I went. And I went out, and I swam out to where the edge of the log is. I grabbed the two ducks. I turn, and I get ready to start coming back. I mean, I'm my own dog, right? Retriever. And I start back, and all of a sudden, I can't move. And I'm like, this isn't good. And I'm kicking and I'm trying, and the harder I kick, the more I can't move. And I realized something, that the, the little strings on the bottom of my pants that had kept my pants, you know, from the water, get, they got caught up in weeds. And there was a giant ball of weeds that had grabbed a hold of the bottoms of my legs. And I needed salvation. I need you to get this. I needed deliverance. That's what salvation means. And if something didn't change, I was not going to make it because there was ice on the side of the pond and hypothermia was starting to set in and my limbs were not acting the way that they were supposed to. And I remembered that in the pocket of my pants, I had slipped a knife into that pocket and I'm praying at that point that that knife hasn't fallen out. And I reach down and I unsnap those pants and I reach down and that knife is still there. And I go down under the water and I grab those strings and I cut them off. And then I slowly make my way back to the shore. And when I get back to the shore, I basically roll up onto the shore because that's all I can do. Salvation. Without that knife, I would not be here today. That's what this word is talking about. It's the same in the spiritual context. Hey, by the way, just so you know, I won't leave the story. I got both ducks. I brought them out, okay? But I want you to understand the significance of what I'm trying to tell you. Our sin has put us in a place where we don't just need a helping hand. We need a knife that will cut the rope of sin and deliver us. That's what Jesus Christ does. And that is the work of of Jesus Christ, that is the work of God himself. You and I are unable to do that work. There is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to deliver ourselves. So when Paul is writing to these believers and he says, to the saints, these are people who understood that they were sinners in need of a savior, helpless and needed deliverance. And only God could bring that deliverance. That's the same for you and me as well. That's what we're talking about here. So because you are already saved and in Christ, let's jump in and see what this verse is all about Scripture says it this way in the spiritual realm. He says this, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which were lost. It's for by grace through faith that we are saved, not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. But to all who received him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. To those who believe in his name who were born, not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh. In other words, nothing that they could do in and of themselves or of the will of man. Man could not do it for them. It was only of God. That's what John tells us. This work was done only by God. Do you catch it? salvation and deliverance is only found through Jesus Christ. It is a work of God for us. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. Now Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Therefore, because of all of that, that was just the introduction. Let me look. We're going to be late. Okay. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now Not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. Remember, he's in prison. Now here it is. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hold it. Didn't you just spend 15 minutes saying that it was only of God that we're saved? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Paul is not talking about the act of deliverance here. That's not what he's talking about. Charles Spurgeon explained it this way a long time ago. He said this, There are two parts to our salvation, one part complete in Jesus Christ, the act of delivering me from the power of sin. It is the finished work of Jesus, one part incomplete, though guaranteed to be brought to perfection. The first part of our salvation consists of, the, of a work for us, Through Jesus Christ. The second is a work in us. The second is by the work of God, the Holy Spirit, the work of regeneration. So when Paul is saying this, he's not saying you have to work to come to a place where you can be saved. He's saying after Jesus Christ has done the work of salvation, now it is your job to work out what that salvation means in you and how that salvation will change you and how that salvation will make you into the image of God. Oswald Chambers, when he wrote his uh, My Atmos for His Highest, said it this way, you cannot do anything for your salvation, but you must do something to manifest it. You must work out what God has worked in. We now need to work out what God has done in us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he has done the work of salvation, and now it is up to us as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to work out what our salvation looks like as we live with our family, our friends, as we work, as we're co-workers, as we hang out at different places, as we react to what our society and our culture is doing. It is our job to work out what what being in the image of Jesus Christ actually looks like. To work out The words work out there. It's the president imperative. And it means this. We really should be saying this. Keep working out until the task is complete. Now, you don't have to put your hands up, but does anybody in this room struggle with sin, even after being a believer? Yeah, we do. We all do. And what this verse is saying is that that job of working through those sin issues, God saved us, we're in glory, we have a home in heaven, that's promised to us, but working out those sin issues in my life, working out those difficulties that I struggle, those temptations that you and I struggle with on a daily basis, that is an ongoing battle that we have to fight every day. And so it is a work that has to happen in my sin life that I deal with, but it's also a work that I have to work out in becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. See, remember way back at the beginning, I said the proof of anything that I say I believe is found in how I live my life every day? That's what this is about. If I say, yes, Christ has saved me, then there should be some evidence if I say that the person of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit is found in me, then there better be evidence in how I live out my life. The people that I bump into, the people that I spend time with should look at me and say, there is something radically different about that person, how they react, what they say, the things that they do, how they care, the love that they show should be so different. Why? Because you're working out your salvation on a daily basis. You're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. This is a daily job, something that will never end until I'm in heaven. And he says your own salvation, work out what God has done in you. How does his saving you need to reveal itself in your everyday life? So often, folks, we get so wrapped up in everybody else's salvation that we forget to work out our own. I don't want to go to meddling in our lives this morning, but I think the Spirit of God does that anyway for us. I don't need to. But I think it's true often in the church that we go so wrapped up in thinking about what everybody else is doing and talking about what everybody else is doing. That we forget to work out the image of God in our own life each and every day. And I think Satan loves it. He loves distracted believers. He loves us to be so concerned what some believer over here is doing or what some believer over here said or what they didn't say or what they're not standing for or whatever that we don't spend any time on our knees before God or any time allowing the word of God to penetrate our own heart and to change us into the image of God. Remember the verse I quoted, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8? Let me add the rest of that to that this morning. It says this, For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourself, it's a gift from God, not from works, so that no one can boast. So it's not me who did it, it was all God. Well, look how verse 10 ends. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works. That he prepared for us. So he saved me, Tim. When I was four or five years old, he saved me. And I became a follower of Jesus Christ. And I put my trust, and he did the work in my life. But you know what? The moment that he saved me, he started preparing me to do good works for him for the rest of my life. And he said, Tim, I want you to be a worker for me for your life. And I have things that I want you to accomplish that I've allowed it and I've created it so only you can do that for me right now. And my job as a follower in Jesus Christ is to work out those those different things, those different acts, those different people that he wants me to be involved with, to spend time with, to encourage in their faith, or to point them to Jesus Christ. He saved me. It was a gift of God. It was all of God. But he prepared me (laughs) to do his work, to do his work. And that's what I need to be involved in is working out what God started in me so that he can complete it. That's his promise, right? That he'll complete that work in my life the day of Jesus Christ. Dr. Henry Cloud said this this way. He said, what does work out your own salvation mean? It means that now that God has delivered us and saved us, We are to take responsibility to live a life that reflects Him and His ways. Daily dependence on God, trust, love, honesty, and all things that are Him. And while we are doing that, He is doing miraculous, divine things to achieve His ends. While we are living like the character of God. God is doing His divine work in and through through us to create the kingdom that He promised He would create and He would use us to do it. That's what work out your own salvation means. How much time have you been spending, believer, to work out your salvation? He ends that by saying this, to work it out with fear and trembling those two words that fear and trembling there are talking about this with great alarmed alarm and frightened that's what it means it means that salvation our salvation has such a huge responsibility that i should be afraid of not doing it the way god intended that i should be i should be fearful of not living up to what's been given me What's been passed on to me. And he says, with trembling, and trembling there is shaking or being seized by a great awe. In other words, it's coming to the place where you realize that what has been just gifted you is way beyond you. And often we take it with a ho hum oh, I'm saved. Great, cool. I'm a Christ follower. All right, let's move on. What's next? And he says this, no, 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 no. Your salvation is so incredibly great. It's so magnificent. The gift that you've been given to steward is awesome and it's way beyond you and it should cause you to be afraid that you'll mess it up. Now it's not talking about fear to the point of being paralyzed like you can't move. It's fear that I have a responsibility that I need to live up to. I need to own into. That's what it's talking about. It's a great responsibility. And God calls us to live out a life of of a, a changed person with my kids and my wife and my family and my friends and those people, my neighbors that I may not even know but I live next to. God is calling me and my responsibility is to live out the person of God before those people each and every day of my life. Believer, how you doing? How you doing with that great responsibility? Verse 13, and we'll wrap this up. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. I love this verse at the end of this. Because if you just read verse 12, you'd go, that's a huge responsibility, and I can't do it. I'm going to fail. But this verse tells me this, that it is God who's got me. (laughs) And it is God's purpose to work in me, to help me, to give me the strength, to give me the ability. His Spirit promises me that the Spirit of God will lead me into truth. To all truth, he'll provide everything that I need and he will help me work out the implications of my salvation on a daily basis if I'll only ask, if I'll only yield. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do for God's good purpose He doesn't just give us the tools to do this work, but he also shows us how to use them. As a carpenter, I love doing carpentry, and and I love tools. I look at tools all the time. My wife says I'm addicted, and she may have a point. I don't know. We'll talk about it another time, but I love tools. But tools are only as good as how well you've been trained to use them. Tools actually can do you a lot of damage if you don't use them correctly or if you use them for the wrong thing. And the Spirit of God shows up, and God says, look, I'll promise to give you everything you need so that you can fulfill your purpose, so that you can work out your salvation the way that you want. And the Spirit of God says, and I'll train you how to use every one of those tools. And our problem as believers is often we go, no, God, I got this. I don't even know what the tool is that you gave me, but I got it. I don't even know the tool I'm supposed to use for the job. But I got it. Got it all figured out. God says, no, my plan and my purpose for you is this. I'll grant you everything you need. Remember chapter 2, verse 1? All of, all of the traits, all the characteristics that are found in Jesus Christ, I grant them all to you. And for my purpose and for my plan, I promise the Holy Spirit who will take those tools And he'll teach you how to use them for my glory. Believer, are you tapping in to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and allowing him to train you how to use the tools that God has put at your disposal? Are you frustrated at the end of your wits because you've been trying to do this on your own? You don't have to. God doesn't expect that of you. He grants you everything you need to work out your own salvation to the glory and the honor of God. And this morning we get a chance, we have a chance, we have an opportunity to celebrate that through communion. If you look in your cup holder beside you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a little communion uh, cup there. And this morning we want to take a few moments during this last song to celebrate what God has done through his son Jesus Christ on our behalf. He did the work of salvation on the cross for us that we could not do. And he grants his Holy Spirit to work out our salvation, to help us work out our salvation each and every day of our lives. And communion he has given to us to celebrate the work of Jesus Christ and the fact that it was a finished work for you and for me. He gives us communion as a reminder to bring our hearts and our minds back to the place where we say, yes, it's all about God and it's all by God for me. And communion reminds us that his promise before he left was I will send another just like me, my Holy Spirit, who will empower you and strengthen you and help you walk out a Christ-like attitude and heart each and every day of your life. So believer, as you take communion this morning, look to Jesus. Be reminded what you're guaranteed of in the person of Jesus Christ and through the ministry of His Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for these two little verses that we looked at this morning. What an awesome reminder to us as believers That our salvation is because of you and it's wrapped up in you. And living out our salvation each day is guaranteed to us by the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, help us as believers to tap into that. To say yes to your Spirit. And now, Father, as we take communion together, would you remind us of the incredible privilege that we have because of the price that you paid through your Son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. In your precious name we pray. Amen.